This is your strange and beautiful life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and on my podcast, I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. And today I have an extra special guest. Her name is Alexia Cote, and you just heard her singing like a diva. And (laughs) she's coming right back. We're all coming right back. So hold tight and we'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone. It's Erica, and you just heard a taste of the marvelous singing that is to come. But first, we have a content warning. Okay, so in this episode, Alexia generously shares the intricacies of her life with bipolar 2. So if bipolar 2 falls within the realm of triggering topics for you, Please take care while listening, and please, everyone, remember that This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life is not intended to replace medical advice or support. Please consult a professional if you need to, uh, and do not use any elements of our conversation to diagnose yourself with bipolar disorder or any other mental health issue. Uh, While we are talking about mental health issues, I encountered some rather devastating technical difficulties while I was recording this episode, and they caused me to experience at least three symptoms of just about every mental health disorder on the internet. Spoiler alert, there is a happy ending. However, uh, here is the riveting story So I record these interviews at my apartment, which I call the Magical Treehouse Palace. And the Magical Treehouse Palace happens to be an AM radio hotspot. So what this means is that if I do not meticulously place my microphone cables in the most precise and finicky positions... And sometimes even when I do, like an antenna, the cables will pick up subtle to not-so-subtle weather reports and Lenny Kravitz songs. And to my great chagrin and deteriorating coping skills, uh, this blessing occurred during portions of Alexia's interview. Um, Fortunately, I did figure out an elusive editing technique, and from what I can tell, I got rid of most of the background noise. I apologize for any disparity in quality, but I I really did my best, and I think you should be able to enjoy the wonderful gift that is Alexia without, like, I want to get away in the background. Meanwhile, I have ordered a fancy device that will hopefully reduce any feedback and the meltdowns that follow it in the future. If you are enjoying This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, please consider cheering me on through my technological meltdowns. To do so, you can subscribe and follow the show on all the platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can like and share my social media posts and pass on your favorite episodes to your favorite peeps. I so appreciate this. Okay, thank you so much for being there, and let's get back to Alexia Cote. 
Okay, and we're back. And as promised, we have my delightful guest, Alexia Cote. You may have crossed Alexia's path in the front row or on stage at Confabulation, Montreal's longest running English storytelling show. Alexia is known for her hilarious tales about life, love, and dating. I think most of the stories are about dating. Uh, and she has also been featured on the storytelling podcast, The Volume Knob, with a song that saved her life. She has appeared as well on the podcast, Suicide Notes, where she shares her experience with Bipolar 2. Although Alexia is rather young, she has already held about 100 jobs. Her career path began at the young age of four, when she landed a gig at her parents' frozen food shop. Well done, Alexia. Over the years, Alexia has worked in a bakery, in bookstores, at The Gap. She has sold strollers. She's been a camp counselor, a guide at a butterfly aviary, a cleaner, and a cosmetician. Uh, though I don't think she got paid for this, she was also a debutante at the Montreal Austrian Society. And she participated in Model UN in New York. Uh, Alexia's performance career also began at the age of four, when she started to direct, produce, and star in all kinds of neighborhood plays. In high school, she went on to perform in multiple shows, since theater is her one true love, besides her boyfriend, Antoine. Oh, do you have something to add? Oh, no. Hi, Alexia. Hi. Well, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you doing? I was just gesturing because I'm, I'm great. I was just gesturing because I thought that was such a funny way to end it and also accurate and Antoine really liked it. Oh, that he, that your one true love was theater and Antoine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope Antoine loves the episode. I'll let you know what he thinks. Okay, good. Antoine, there's pressure right now. You what? have to love it. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, Antoine. Um, but what is really exciting is that Alexia is our first hardcore fan and listener <laughs> to come onto This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life as a guest. And yeah. so we actually have a very big reveal that's about to happen, right? <laughs> it feels like, you know, those like the, the reality TV shows when they're like, but there's a twist. There's a twist. There's a yeah. twist. So who's ready for the twist? Certainly Antoine. <laughs> okay. So the twist is that Alexia is the listener who wrote in with the question on episode eight with Kristen Govers. Yes. So if you haven't listened, you should definitely go back and listen. And in case you did listen, but you can't quite remember, we're, we're going to refresh everyone's memory. Okay. Alexia, like so many, <laughs> like so many of my, <laughs> oh no. Okay. Like, <laughs> Like so many listeners out there, you were desperate for our advice. Uh, and so, Alexia, tell the listeners, what was your conundrum? So I actually was wondering if I should go back to school. I was hesitating between keeping a job that I sort of liked mm -hmm. and going back to school into a theater program. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had gotten admitted and everything, but it meant a few... Um, financial sacrifices and also insecurity because you never really know when you do when you go like, into theater yeah. when you go into any art type school yeah. what's going to happen am I just going to end up back at the service job right so that was that was the kind of but I, I I decided to go for your advice okay and to actually do it okay I had decided that before the episode was released though <laughs> you're not supposed to tell anybody <laughs> that <laughs> you're but but your life advice was 
even if I had already taken the decision was was really validating and mm-hmm. was really appreciated. So okay, good. So yeah, so uh, Alexia, so she signed her letter wishing upon a star, yeah, and now you're leaping to the stars. You're going yeah. to yeah, okay. And so when do you start your program? So wait, what what, what year is it? What date are we? We're in um, August, I think. We're in August. We're August. Okay. So at the time of recording this, we're two weeks away from me starting school. Okay. I are know. you nervous? Um. Well, I don't know what to expect. So okay. I guess that's what makes me nervous. But I also feel excited. And uh-huh. I think excitement also masks itself as anxiety sometimes yeah so i just i can't wait to see what's in stores are you sleeping through the night i am i sleep very well bipolar medication is great for sleeping okay okay we're (laughs) going to talk about medication maybe sleeping later so this is great yeah um so i'm curious about a whole bunch of things um for example how did you end up a debutante in the montreal austrian society Uh, And can you please explain what a debutante is to people who don't know? For example, for me, I don't know. (laughs) A lot of people don't. Okay. So the the, um, Austrian society thing started way back. I think it's something like six years ago. I was I was studying languages at Cégep de Montréal. I was mm-hmm. uh, studying German, and um, well, Austria is a German-speaking country, so we learned quite a few things about Germany, but also Austria and some parts of Switzerland and things like that. And in Austria, it's common for them to have uh, debutante balls every year around the time of November. In the city of Vienna, it's something like 300 balls happening at the same time. Wow. So the debutante thing dates back to England, though. Mm -hmm. It dates back to, I, I think it's Queen, it's the Queen before Charlotte. I don't know. Anyways, not important. But they would have these balls at the beginning of courting season. Mm-hmm. And the debutantes would be the the ladies, the new ladies who would be eligible for marriage. So these young ladies that were being brought onto the scene and the guys could start courting them. And that's kind of how it started out. Nowadays, it's not so much to find your husband. It's more of a coming of age thing. It's more okay. of a traditional thing. Um, so in Austria, it really is about going from girlhood to womanhood. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's what it is. And while I was studying German, I found out about this and I thought that was really cool. And I just decided to follow the Austrian Society's Facebook okay. page. Oh, unless in, you're in Montreal when this yeah. was happening. Yeah. Okay. I've never been to Europe. Okay. And then really cool thing. They posted that they were looking for debutantes. Oh. And that you could be aged 16 to 25. And I was 23. So I was like, well, I guess. You snuck in. I snuck in. So I, I wrote to them. I signed up. And I asked Antoine to be my escort, which he gladly accepted. And so I learned how to waltz with him for like 12 weeks. How did you fare at waltzing? I, we could have done better. We could have done worse. There were professional dancers in our group. Okay. There was a girl who did like professional ballroom dancing. So she right. was like exquisite. And then people who had danced before and, and whatnot. We were both like pretty much brand new dancers. Okay. So we did we did like brand new you dancers. You were debutante too. dancers. I was debutante, debutante waltzer. Okay. And did you get an exciting gown and all this? Yes. Okay. Uh, so they, this lovely woman named Astrid Pruger, she made our gowns. Okay. She custom, she, so it's, it looks like one dress, but it's actually two pieces. And she alters 
the pieces every year so they'll fit. Okay. So my gown was worn by a debutante before me and will be worn by a debutante after it's me. It's eco-friendly. It's eco-friendly, but also I think there's something like it's something borrowed, you know, like there's oh, something okay. there's something nice Symbolic. about that. So it, it's very much like a Cinderella's ball. You have to return your your stuff at the end of the evening. Okay. But we did buy shoes and we did buy gloves. Every every girl wears the same dress. I know some debutante balls, you go out and you buy a white gown and everybody's dressed differently. And the guys wore pigeon tail suits. So, okay, so oh. everybody matched. Everybody it's like matched. like a swarm of matching Yes, debutantes. and then there are the guests who come to the debutante ball who are just wearing like very nice gowns or very nice tuxedos. And everybody's dancing. Everybody's dancing. At the beginning, there's a waltz that's just ours. Okay. And then we have ballerinas who also come and do a performance. Okay. It's it's a it's a very and it's all for charity. It's very festive. And did you feel more grown up once you'd done the debutante ball? Were you like, now I'm a real woman, <laughs> I'm a real grown <laughs> up now? It's kind of the same way when you turn eighteen. You're like, oh, I guess it's happened, but nothing's changed. You're still the same person you were the night before. Okay, but you've learned how to waltz a little better. I've learned maybe. how to waltz a little better. It's fun because now we'll go to to weddings or we'll go to events where they dance and we know a few steps. Okay. Because even we didn't just learn how to waltz. We also had a few salsa steps that we learned. And oh, yeah. And people don't really know how to do that. It's like, no, it's like, it's just so hard. To, it's really rough. You can't really fake that. Like I know how to slow dance. Yeah. It's just a giant hook. <laughs> yeah. That's what I can do is a slow dance, but other dancing, not so talented. So yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up for us. Now we know what a debutante is. Yeah. And um, I think they're, I think at the time you'll be posting this episode, they'll be looking for debutantes. So if you're between the age of 16 and 25, I don't I'm know. I'm not. I yeah. can't be no, a No, not debutante. you, but maybe a listener oh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah, listeners. So it's the idea is not to get married. Okay. So I thought maybe you went to get married, but you were with Antoine. No, but okay. we when we posted our pictures, I was very careful about telling people we were not married because oh. we lo- it looks like our wedding pictures. People just go nuts about marriage photos on social media. Especially that it was at the Windsor last year. So it's this mm-hmm. beautiful ballroom with mm-hmm. a chandelier that's worth, that's worth more than all of us combined. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's gigantic. And the food, we ate very late. Okay. Oh, so it was a it's, very... It's a very posh event. Okay. So that's great. Well, maybe we'll put some photos in the show notes. I'm glad you've had a sophisticated evening. And... <laughs> So, and you went with Antoine. And so you have a beautiful love story with Antoine. Everybody at Confabulation knows. And now everybody who listens to the podcast knows. But we're going to get into that in a second. But first, I also wanted to know about Model UN, which yeah. sounds like a very high achieving thing to do it in is. your youth. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this experience coincided with you getting diagnosed with bipolar it 2. Did. So tell us about Model UN and then tell us about your experience of Model UN. Okay. Okay. So Model UN is like an after school thing you can do. Um, There are different levels of it. Some people do it in high school, so it's not as like high profile. Mm -hmm. And then there's the colleges and the universities who do it as well. Um, So I participated with my college. And the way it works is everybody's assigned a country. And we're kind of like a team. Imagine like a soccer team of political nerds. Okay. And everybody's like 16, 17. Um, so at our college, since it was a CEGEP, they were around that age. Yeah. Okay. 16 to maybe 21-ish. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people who go to Harvard. So they're a different age or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of like this 
team team of nerds, a team of political nerds, and we're all there to defend our country's interests in right. different assemblies. So, like general assemblies, or um, I don't know what all the assemblies are. That you right, have. I don't know. I There's... was in a general assembly, so I remember okay. that. I mine was about the proliferation of nuclear arms. Okay, it's serious, like serious, serious business. Stuff. Okay, and I was representing Saint Lucia. Saint which Lucia. is a country in the Caribbean. So they have tests in nuclear, in, in waters okay. around them. And they mostly live off, you know, fishing. So it would be cool that people don't test nuclear weapons there. Yeah, that's not a good location. <laughs> so that was kind of what weapon. we were doing okay. in, our, in our assemblies. We were like writing things so, so that wouldn't happen. So it's like imaginary high stakes. It's imaginary high stakes, but with current events. Okay. So if you were playing like, the United States, which some school was a few years ago, and it was Trump. We oh, had no. to present that you you had to pretend that you were of that political alignment. Mm-hmm. But now, if they were doing Biden, they would be probably more democratic, right? So, and some people represent North Korea. They get to do that. They get to be okay. jerks the entire time. Wow. All right. So you were there, and then you go to New York for this, like, yeah, model so the- UN. Because and I heard model UN. I used to think it was like models you know like high heels no. and manicures and stuff but we're this modeling is... political debates yes okay that kind of modeling so you went you go to do that in new york yeah so okay. some simulations we had a practice here at ucam mm-hmm. so all the schools from quebec we all that were participating in it we all kind of did a fun run there um some people do the the real one is in new york okay but there are some all over the states and there are some that are more local it's mostly a school thing. Okay. And then, but then it got wild for you there, right? It like, did. Okay. So tell us what happened. So here's the thing. When you do Model UN, you're in assemblies pretty early in the morning and until pretty late mm-hmm. in the evening. And I was going, like I was getting up at like five in the morning mm-hmm. and I would, you know, get ready, take my breakfast and I would respond to emails and I would run around and do all the political stuff um that i won't bore you with and then we would do like formal assemblies and then we do informal assemblies and we'd run around the whole hotels because we were at the sheraton and at the hilton that are like right across the street so we would like run from one hotel to the other we would get lunch then go back and run everywhere and f- try to eat throughout and then it would end at like 11 p.m okay, or so midnight it's full on it's full on And then after that, I would go out and party, even though I was 17 at the time. I would go out at bars and drink in in the U.S., US. where the legal drinking age is 21. And apparently they're quite serious about this. They're very serious about this. So if I had gotten caught, I would have gotten arrested and I would have had serious, yeah, serious problems. Oh, dear. Especially on a school trip Mm -hmm. where the school isn't quite responsible for me. Because it's a college, but they're still responsible for me because I'm a minor. Mm, really complicated. Awkward, okay. Really complicated stuff. And I was going out and drinking with people who were at Princeton or at Harvard or whatever. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, these really smart kids. And then I would go to bed. It would be like two in the morning and I have to wake up at five in the morning again and just do the cycle for like a few days. And But you just kept doing it. It was okay. Yeah, like- it was totally fine. It was, it was. It was a high. It was just really cool to live and do that. Okay. It was just really exciting to get up in the morning and to be in New York, mm-hmm. like on business at 17. Like there's something really invigorating invigorating about that. And it okay. was just, it was just the best time. You liked it. Right. I did. 
and you were being a bit of a rebel. Okay, but then you got home and then what happened? I got home and I started feeling really depressed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to take a shower in the morning. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to eat. Um, I, I just wouldn't get out of bed. Just flat out, like just, very typical, yeah. like what do you call it? Textbook depression. Like, textbook depression, yeah. Okay. And how long did this last? It. So I had had a depressive episode before, but never quite at that extent. Uh-huh. Um, and it lasted for about two weeks until okay. my mom was like, fuck this, we're taking you to the hospital. Right. Because you, I think, were you depressed before Model UN? But like something about Model UN like kept you kind of doing the yeah. minimum. Like you were like, oh, I want to go to this New York trip so I can't. Exactly. I mean, not that you can choose your depression, but there it was sort of like enough of an inkling of a will, will to live to sort of get out of bed in the morning. Exactly. And then when Model UN was over, it was like, no, no. Now, now, I, I, have nothing, now I have nothing to go for. Right. And you were just finishing your year... At Sejap, right? Yeah. In arts or something social? I was in languages. So languages. that's my year. Okay. That's my year that I was studying German and Spanish. Okay. Because you want to join the UN because yeah. you need to know lots of languages. So then your mom's like, okay, we need to get you out of like vertical. You need, you need, you need help. You need help. Okay. So she took you to the hospital and then what happened? We got to the hospital and they decided to keep me overnight. Mm -hmm. And they started asking me questions. And I don't know, I don't quite remember how we got there, but I remember saying something along the lines but of two weeks ago, everything was so good and now everything is shit. And the doctor saying, hold up a minute, everything was good two weeks ago? Right. Yeah, everything was great two weeks ago. Like I was, go I was doing Model UN and I was going out and I was, you know, I was drinking and I was... And then he was like, wait, you were drinking in the U.S.? Because risky behavior is a... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a symptom. And then how, how, how much were you sleeping? How much sleep were you getting? Not uh, any. Like three hours a night. And you were, you were running fine on this? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and now I need like 14 hours of sleep and I don't have enough. And it was like... Mm. Right. And he kept asking questions and I kind of caught on that like he was searching for something else. Right. And... I remember him telling me, oh, you're not depressed. And I got so mad at him. I was like, what do you mean I'm not depressed? I can't get up in the morning. I can't eat. I can't take a shower. I can't do shit. I am depressed. Like, I thought this was somebody talking about depression and saying, like, that depression doesn't exist. And he was like the psychotherapist. Like, this made no sense to me. Um, and he went, you're not depressed. You're, you're bipolar. Mm -hmm. And that was... <sighs> It was really rough. Yeah. How did that land? Kind of like it still does now. Yeah. It's, it sucks to not be normal. Mm. And it, it's not something you can cure, right? Some depressions happen after somebody will um, pass around you and then it's really rough or after a divorce and then it's really rough for a year for two years and then it's over mm -hmm. bipolar doesn't leave does it it's, feel like it's a, always there a life sentence it is a life sentence okay and they tell you pretty early on you're always going to have to take your meds because if you stop taking your meds your episodes get worse right i've heard that um and if you if you don't take your meds both the highs and the lows they can be very damaging hmm like in terms of your your nervous system or like externally damaging also Both. probably. Both. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, on highs, some people, 
they spend all their money, they load their credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, credit card debt is really hard to get out of. Yeah, and it's no, really it's serious and it really punishing. affects you. It's yeah. super punishing. Or they'll get into risky behaviors. They'll have sex with people they don't know. Um, they won't use protection. Mm-hmm. And they can they can get an STD. And some STDs stay, stick around for longer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess when people have children and families too, you can mm-hmm. also make... You can put your children at risk too, right? You can like yeah. leave them unsupervised. You can like just, you know. You can bring the wrong kind of people around. Right. Yeah. It can be It can be very serious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like people kind of know, I think almost, I, I, I would be shocked if people had not heard of bipolar disorder. Just but the name. <laughs> the name usually yeah. gives you a, qu- a quick definition. Quick, yeah, yeah. right? But I, I think that it's very stigmatized. I think maybe it's understood in some ways and not in others. But mm-hmm. so there's two types, right? There's bipolar one and bipolar two. Yeah. And I'm not sure people know the difference. Like, do you want to go over the definitions? I think a lot, lots of people think that bipolar one is more serious than bipolar two. Let's, like, let's is, let's go into what each yeah, is okay, before we kind good. of yeah trickle things down. So, um, bipolar one, you have there's always two states in bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. There's the mania and mm-hmm. there's the depression. Mania mm-hmm. is when everything's good. Mm-hmm. And depression is obviously with it, when everything's shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are two types of mania. There's hypermania, which okay. is very strong, which will be even more risky, yeah. uh, which will make you spend even more. Think of hyperactive, right? Very active. Okay. Hypermania, very manic. Okay. Hypomania is more on the lower side right more subtle um, more subtle yeah like oh impulse buying a mm-hmm. lot of impulse buying that's usually how i realize that i'm in a okay. manic episode some people buying. have food maybe are there other yeah. addictions like yeah. maybe sex also so is it always addictions when we talk about mental illness we all we usually talk about risk factors mm-hmm. and comorbidity Um, And I know this because I studied mental health. I'm not like... (laughs) Right. um, Comorbidity is the link between two things and how often they inhabit with each other. So anxiety and depression are very comorbid. They usually come hand in hand, Mm -hmm. right? Um, ADHD is also super comorbid. Autism is... Comorbid just means it often goes with other things. Yeah. Okay. So at some point you talked about how um, some people may manifest it with food or sex. Mm-hmm. Well, eating disorders are comorbid with okay. bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So which is, is it part of the eating disorder? Is it part of the bipolar? And that's a bit confusing <laughs> little, because yeah. eating disorders cause a whole reaction to, in your body too. So it's like. Exactly. So is it the chicken or the egg? I, I'm not really good at answering that. Okay. So back to bipolar one and the different types of, Mm -hmm. there's different types of mania, but there's also different types of depression. So you can have more severe depression where you'll get suicidal thoughts and you can have minor depression. You know, you lose your appetite, your, your mood's kind of low. You just kind of don't feel like it anymore. It's going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So bipolar one are people who experience hypermanic episodes and hypodepressive episodes oh i didn't know this about the hypodepressive okay that's interesting and then bipolar 2 is the other way around okay they're hypomanic but they're hyperdepressive really this is a thing i didn't know about this okay so yeah that's how they diagnose according to the dsm okay it's they check if you've had at least one hypomanic episode and at least multiple hyper depressive episodes okay. and then oh then you qualify for bipolar too here's here's okay. your life sentence <laughs> your certification your certification good okay. job and then the other way around for bipolar one. So bipolar one, you need to have a hyper yeah 
manic, manic episode and then a hypodepressive. Least. Okay. And I think, is this true with bipolar one? So maybe one of the reasons that it like rumor has it that it's more severe is do you lose touch with reality with yeah. your hypermanic episode? Like it's- people will have uh, psychotic episodes. Okay. Okay, so it's that like, okay, hypomania, you still sort of have touch, you still have touch with reality. I've never had a psychotic episode. Okay. It could happen. Right. It's uh, not impossible, but. Do you think that the sort of the delegations are a little bit arbitrary or do you find it is kind of, is, I don't mean to ask a leading question, but do you find like, you know, you need one hypomania, like, you know, you're sort of checking off boxes. Like, do you feel that that makes sense to you? The, the distinctions? It, you and- have to have some boxes to check yeah for these things mm-hmm. um i <laughs> i was lucky i was textbook bipolar too. yeah that's it <laughs> i i kind of checked off a lot of boxes so maybe if i didn't check them off so easily i might be amongst the people who are like well you know it's not fair to, to but generalize right? exactly mm-hmm. but we're not going into all of the bipolar tests, but there's also what we call cyclothymia, mm-hmm. which is just the hypomanic episodes that keep, uh, the hypodepressive episodes that keep coming back. Yeah, it's tricky. And then, like, I know that this is maybe not appropriate, but like, I have sort of had sometimes people make jokes about being manic and being Ooh, like having like hypomania and. I people mean, people will sometimes say things like, "Oh, you're so bipolar," and I hate. Oh yeah, that. that's gross. It's the worst. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and you're just like, yes, in fact, I am. Thank you. But it's not necessarily even at me or they'll say right. to somebody around me and they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just look this up yeah. now. I mean, yeah, because it is, it, it, it's, it was a bombshell in your life. So it's not mm-hmm. something to be taken lightly. I guess I'm just thinking of hypomania as a, I, I think that I have, I mean, I've, I have a psych appointment next, I think it's this week. So mm-hmm. who knows what they'll say, right? Like, I feel like when I was... And I've had lots of assessments and it seemed to me in my life, I don't think I'm a textbook case in anything. But so what happens is that like in the 2010s, everyone's like, oh, you have obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you have a different. Um, some some disorders have a certain fashion cycle. Yeah, like we, bipolar. Can, yeah. Oh, no, um, borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Everyone had that like maybe five years ago. And yeah. so now I'm just wondering, like, are they going to decide I have bipolar two now this time around? Like, and- um, I don't think that professionals diagnose like the professionals who do diagnose these things mm-hmm. work in the fashion cycles right <laughs> um it's just that at sometimes what happens is they they'll change up the dsm or they'll widen the quite the criteria right. and that's kind of when a lot of people get diagnosed or you'll have something like somebody on tv we find out they're diagnosed something and then people relate to that and then they go get checked and guess what? They relate to it because it's factual. Right. I know there were a lot of bipolar diagnoses after Selena Gomez's documentary because guess what? She's bipolar. Right. (laughs) And when that came out, a lot of people were like, hey, I feel like that. Yeah. I think celebrities coming out with their mental health stuff, I think that does raise awareness. It's not like it's a... I'm very proud to say that Carrie Fisher was the poster child for bipolar for a while so you're like i get to be like her i get to be like her yeah (laughs) but yeah i guess what i also didn't manage to say is that yeah i guess hypomania like that sometimes people joke that like that is 
that it's like a little bit fun. You know what I mean? Like, it do, is. Do you ever get it this is, thing though. like, I wish that I could just stay here a little bit and just kind of like coast a bit. And like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can get a little hypomanic, but I don't get the sense like I always want to sleep. Like sometimes I don't sleep well, but then I'm like not in good shape. Like I need to sleep like and I take naps and stuff. It's not like I we can't diagnose me on this show. No, yes, no. but. Uh, I just wonder, yeah, I mean, and anybody listening, do not diagnose yourself with bipolar no, don't do that. as usual. Go, go check with a professional. Like, but it's so interesting because I'm kind of like, I want, I guess, to be honest, I like, I want confirmation that I don't have it because I'm like worried. I'm like, do I have it? Do I, right? And is that well, if you do have it, say, here's, but, here's good news. There's, yeah. there's treatment. Yeah. Right. right? Exactly. And it's not as bad as it used to be. It used to be lobotomy. <laughs> it used to be a little bit more come intense. We've come a long way. We've come yeah. a long way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about it looks like fun. Like some people, cause I've heard that a lot. It's so productive, it's, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so productive. It, so here's the thing, as fun as it is, it's super destructive too. Right. And that's, people want the fun mm-hmm. because it is fun. Yeah. I won't lie. I won't lie. It's super fun. Okay. Um, but mania can also come with irritability. Mm-hmm. I remember doing an inventory at the gap and bossing people around. And I remember my boss telling me afterwards, were you manic? Right. Because I was like, nothing was going fast enough. Mm -hmm. Everything was just, I needed everything to just get along and go faster and do this and that. And if I got on a task, it was done in like five minutes, Mm -hmm. but they would be three and it took them 20. Because like your head is like going, 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 and you want the outside to match that, right? And it doesn't. Right. The real world doesn't match that that at all. So um, the way to control that is usually you get home and you clean like a maniac. You have sex a lot. And so everything is super productive for a couple of days. And then you crash after that and you're not productive at all. And then that, Mm -hmm. ooh, that's rough because then you feel useless. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a there's a huge di- dichotomy. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all that so far. Uh, and then, what what steps do you have to put into place to ensure that you're okay? You know, relatively, like what and like how much how much of a commitment is this? It's a lot of work. The first thing that you have to work on is who surrounds you. They will be there when it shit hits the fan <laughs> in both sides of the yeah. of the bipolar spectrum. I'm lucky enough to have a partner with me who is not only understanding but also non-judgmental and willing to put in the extra work. Um, relationships aren't fifty fifty, and he makes up for what I lack. Um, I'll give an example. I do most of the most of the cooking because he's I'm, I'm kind of picky on my food and I just I just want to do my own food and I want to eat what I want to eat. And, and you're probably he, good at cooking. I'm really good at cooking, yeah. too. And Antoine is fine with whatever. Yeah. So if one night I don't feel like cooking, he'll be like, hey, that's fine. Do you want to order something in or do you want me to put like one of our frozen pizzas in the oven? Like it's it's cool. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that in my everyday life, that's really good. But before I had him, I had really good friends who were also there for me. Um, I, I had a friend who lived close by who had a dog and that oh. was, oh, that was so good for me. We need dogs in our lives. We I do. feel like that's a big, that's very helpful. Um, so zoo therapy is a big thing. If you, mm-hmm. if you like animals, um, going out to see your friend's dog or having a cat at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's a big good thing. to know. Okay. So I would go walk her dog sometimes. 
Um, otherwise, just having someone to talk to. And I would usually also preface with like, I don't necessarily want help. I just want to like vent right now. Or right. I do want advice right now on this. And mm-hmm. then I'd go yeah. on. Somebody said sympathy or solution. Yeah. And you'd be like, no solution. Today's not a solution day. Or yeah, today's not a solution day. I just need to talk about how today is crap. Mm-hmm. And I'll just talk about that for a while. And do you have like a, how many people do you have for I'm the venting? I'm so lucky. I have a lot of friends. Uh-huh. And that's also a thing. Um, if you just have one or two, you're very lucky. But if you manage to get more, it's nice to spread the shit around. Yeah. <laughs> so one person's not always getting all of your Yeah, because I think that what happens, I, I don't know. I feel like in your, and I mean, not to be ageist, but I think that when I was in my 20s, I felt like all we did was vent. Like it was just like every, all our friends were venting. And I think that being in your twenties is rough. Yeah. But I think that maybe we are as friends, we had more of a a bandwidth for our, our friends breaking down. And now I think that it can be a little too heavy, which it sounds bad, but you know, like you always want somebody who's in distress to, to reach out, right? It's like, that's what they tell you, reach out, reach out, reach out. But I think that it is helpful to have a wider breadth because and, may- and maybe it's not 20s and 30s, maybe it's post-pandemic, but the humans are not all thriving. Like, I think we all have, everybody is struggling, so it's just your friend, not- your friend might not be up for whatever that is, but to have, like, a list that you can call is mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah, I'm lucky to have a quite a, um, a long list, mm-hmm. and that includes, like, people in Antoine's family, mm-hmm. which is, like, huge. Right. Um... And then the other thing is that mental health is usually more about preventing than, you know, damage, damage control. control. Yeah. So if you start to feel like your battery is running out, maybe don't go to that party. Maybe right. you need to stay in tonight or, you know, just take some alone time if you need it. That's fine. Um, right. Knowing when to say no, when to put in boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like less is more sometimes. Yeah, less is more sometimes. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Erica. So I'm jumping in here because I would not want anyone in distress to not reach out to a friend because they were afraid of becoming a burden. I see it as a privilege when a friend feels safe and trusting enough of me to give me a call during a crisis. I have felt honored to have my friends melt down on me as much as I want them to not have to melt down at all. Um, however, I do find that as I get older, there's, there's, just, there's more of a delicateness to reaching out. And you do want to make sure that whoever you call is in a healthy position to support you. Okay. Um, Otherwise, and I've seen this happen, uh, the conversation can spiral into a sort of triggered trauma bonding, negative draining situation for everybody involved. And it's not helpful for you. And it's it's not good for your friend. So what I want to say is meltdowns are an excellent opportunity to practice your boundaries, practice your communication skills. And so let's say you have no one to call. You actually do have someone to call. Uh, You can call the crisis center in your area. It is possible that they may not have anything useful to say besides get a glass of water, wash your hands. To be honest, I have found crisis centers to be a little bit hit or miss, but I think it is better than just ruminating in your own thoughts. And they can give you access to fairly rapid mental health services. 
And if you really don't want to call your friend, don't want to call the crisis center, uh, my best suggestion is go for a walk, even if that means crying a little bit in the street. The people in the street can handle it, and that can help you change your state. Second tip, take a cold shower, change your t-shirt. Okay, that's it, Um, except that This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life is brought to you by Lil and Bud Dog Cards. Get your most adorable dog cards at my website, erikajschmidt.com slash merch. That's dog cards at erikajschmidt.com slash merch. Okay, back to the show. Love you. Bye. So then, yeah, have a good network of friends. Like, what, I guess we'll talk about routines later, but like, yeah, do you have like, it's a, a sort of like must do's in your life. I guess there's medication. Yeah. 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 Okay. Medication every night. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, what, like what else? Is there certain things you do to manage your stress? Like, There's some things I could be doing. Okay. <laughs> um. So food and exercise is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So um, guess what? Eating fast food all the time is mm-hmm. not great for your mental health. Okay. You need to be eating your greens and mm-hmm. you need to, you know, make sure you you eat properly and that you actually do eat. Like don't skip meals. Yeah, skipping meals is bad news, right? Because it messes up your sleeping patterns, right? A little bit. At it least does it messes me. up my mood patterns. Right. Okay. Because if, if I'm hungry, I'm mean with my boyfriend. Yeah. You're like, oh, gosh. I'm impatient with him. You're just like. If, have- I'm, if I'm hungry, I need to get on to making food and stop being mean to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, that's a very biological reality. Like, I remember I used to work at an office and I would be like at 1130 a.m. and I'd walk there. It'd be like an hour long walk and I'd have breakfast and stuff. But then sometimes at 1130, 1145, it'd just be like my whole life is a mistake. Like this is just you know how when you're working a retail job and you can't wait till your break, not only to stop working, but also to eat. Yeah, because how mean you get with customers. Yeah, because then you because then you have your lunch and you're like, okay, well, this isn't so bad, right? Like. Life mm-hmm. is not. We don't need to like throw in the towel right away. So yeah, so eating's important and then like exercise. Exercise. Yeah. Exercise releases dopamine and mm-hmm. other happy hormones. Mm-hmm. Um so that would be a good thing I would have to do, but I don't not into it. Yeah. But you walk around a little bit. I don't like taking walks if they're without a dog. <laughs> I don't okay. get the point of walks without a dog. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm a because like, sometimes Antoine will be like it like it's eight PM and he'll be like, Do you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, Are you are you a multi like what do you mean you want to go for a walk it's 8 p.m like i don't get it i'm a religious walker i used to say i'm a manic walker and i i do think i was a bit of a manic walker so like i would i just couldn't stop walking i have some things i need to work on okay that's okay um i I need to get better at that i think you're doing great and yeah so talking about Antoine and not yeah. being mean to him most <laughs> of the time. Like everybody's mean to their Antoine sometimes. Yeah, we're human. You can't yeah. be perfect 24-7. I live with him. So oh, gosh, he has no. to see everything. No. Yeah. So that's a privilege for both of you. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about your love story with dreamy Antoine because some of us need hope. <laughs> uh, and so he wasn't really the kind of dude that you would usually date, right? You- I don't know that that's true okay. because he is – so he's a math dude and I usually mm-hmm. dated IT dudes. So he's okay. just – he's friends with the same guy. Okay, but I same. just Yeah. Okay. Then – all right. But I thought that when you, you dated him, you went on a first date and mm-hmm. then you were kind of like, uh – like you gave Antoine – 
a second chance? Am I making this up? How? Like- uh, okay, so let's let's rewind there. Okay, sure. So we we met on a dating website. We okay. met on a on an app. And on Hinge or OkCupid? OkCupid. Okay. We met on OkCupid. And I was talking to him and I was like, oh my God, this is a good guy. You know, when you date some, when you're like on the, on the apps, there are different reasons why you're on the apps. Right. Originally when I was on the apps, it was for self-esteem purposes. Okay. And I was talking to him and I saw that he was like boyfriend material. He was like husband material. Okay. And I was in my slutty summer phase. So that oh, it was not the time for that okay. guy. Slutty summer, not ready for a nice guy. Exactly. And I got off the apps mm-hmm. without saying goodbye. And then I was doing my slutty things. And then when I came back and I decided that I was kind of more ready for okay. a stable relationship, I was lucky he was still there. Okay. He was waiting because w- everybody else was having I a slutty. I don't think he was waiting for Everybody me. else was having a slutty summer maybe. Yeah. And then I came back and I and I texted him and he was like, oh my gosh, you're still alive. Like, oh. <laughs> I was lucky he even went out for for a date with me and so i was also i was starting to to date again and i had a crappy date with a guy um he said something along the lines of for a funny girl you're not that ugly no which is the most backhanded compliment i've ever for a funny girl you're not that ugly wow thank you so much no stars for that one (laughs) it's the worst so what ended up happening was I was supposed to have a second date with him because I had no standards. Okay. <laughs> the funny, the jerk. The, the jerk, it. yeah. Okay. And I was I was writing with Antoine. And I was like, I don't even want to go on a date with this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't even want to go get Indian food. And he was like, well, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I don't know, like shishtuk? And I was trying to get sure him bet. to understand that. that I wanted to spend time with him instead. Okay. And he wasn't catching on. So I was like, well, do you want to, do you want to come with me? Right. <laughs> you had to ask him. Out. And then he was like, tonight? And I was like, well, yeah, not tomorrow. Yeah, now. And he was like, uh, is 7 p.m. all right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. And then he got ready and met me. And we had the hardest time finding a place. It was cold. And it was around that time when we had um, passports to go inside places. Right. We had to have our like QR Vax- codes. Vaccine Vax- passports. Yeah, the vaccine passports. And his was on like a piece of paper because his phone kept shutting down. His phone okay. was old. And it said life's good and that it would like go to go to dark. Okay. And then he, he would try to meet me at places and we wouldn't. Life's fi- good and then it's over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. So yeah, so we met up at the at the Shishtok place and I I don't think he caught on that it was a date. Okay. But why were you talking? You were talking to him on a dating app and he didn't think it was a date? Well, like he didn't act like it was a date. Like it was really weird. Okay. I don't know how to explain it. We were we were both just so ourselves. It okay. was it was like we had known each other for a really long time, but we I was super nervous and I couldn't stop talking and he was super nervous so he wasn't saying a thing. Okay. So, <laughs> so best first date ever, guys. Okay. And then at some point David Bowie came on. Oh yes. And this is the, what I talk about in the in the volume knob episodes, but David Bowie comes on and I'm talking about how I'm I was so sad when David Bowie died and he's looking at me and i can tell that he's like not understand like there's zero he doesn't know who david bowie is he doesn't know who david bowie is so i ask him do you know this song and he goes no and i go do you know who david bowie is and he goes no and i'm like well well what kind of music do you listen to he's like i don't really listen to music oh no and i was like wait wait 
so he he at the time would commute from St. Hubert, which is around Longueuil, mm-hmm. on the south shore of Montreal, all the way to Université de Montréal, which is like an hour and a half of commute. He yeah, would do that's that. dedicated. Yeah, it's one an hour and a half one way. So like yeah. three hours of commute every day. And I was like, wait, you don't listen to me? Oh, you listen to podcasts? And he's like, no, I don't really have headphones. And I thought, I don't know anybody like this. Does, did he read? What did he do on his commute? So sometimes he reads and sometimes he just stares into space. Oh, he's a meditator. Kind of. Or overthinker. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he really meditates. Right. But then, so like you were nervous and you're talking and then it wasn't like things didn't really click. Well, it's actually they clicked because he, I wanted to get to know him more mm-hmm. because he never answered something I expected. Right. So on his OkCupid dating thing, one question was like, what are you looking for in a relationship? And he replied with attention. Oh, wow. And then, okay. well, that's honest. That's I mean, it's true, most of us. And then the follow up question was, what can you bring to a relationship? And he responded with attention. And I thought that was so funny. Like, that's my sense of humor. Yeah. Okay. Right there. So, very early on, I caught on to the fact that we were similar, we had similar values. We were similar where it was important, and we were different where, where we had to also be different. So, you know, how. If you both hate doing the same tasks, that task is never going to be done at home. Right. Like so it's dishes, important to have. Yeah. Mopping. So I cook and he does the dishes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a good deal. If you yeah. can do the dishes. Okay. Yeah. And then you talk a lot. He listens. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, then when he talks, he's very entertaining. I don't think he realizes how funny he is. Right. So overall, then... He, you taught him about David Bowie. I heard David Bowie was a pedophile, actually. What? Oh, you didn't know that? No. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I he was? He, well, no, that's the wrong thing. I think he slept with teenagers. That's still pretty bad. But yeah, it's terrible. Everybody, it's terrible. We don't, but I don't know if that means he's a pedophile. I'm, I'm not a sex therapist. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, life is very disappointing, friends. People are very disappointing, but... They're still... <laughs> There's still hope and there's still Antoine and Alexia. A and A. Never thought of that, right? So Oh, it's yeah. A lot of people are like, You must have never thought about that. Yeah, we we know. <laughs> okay. So you can I don't think you don't want children or you're not sure. Um at the time we're speaking, I don't I don't think no. Okay. We want a dog. Yeah, so I was gonna say you should name your dog, start with an A. Start uh it can start with no, an A. No, so our Alicia. dog name No, our dog name is Marcel. Okay, never mind. Okay, so you're not going to have an A family. That's okay. (laughs) We have other redeeming qualities. (laughs) We have other redeeming qualities. But what I wanted to ask you is you have like some, you, I remember last time we hung out, you had some pretty good dating advice. You Mm -hmm. say like, I wish that everybody would have an Antoine. I would say, I wish everybody would have an Alexia. I think that having an Alexia in your life as a friend or fan (laughs) is splendid. But how, yeah, I think you have sort of atypical dating advice. What, what, how, what should we do out there? So most of the dating advice I have comes from crappy reality TV shows, from matchmaking TV shows. Okay. Not Um, firsthand experience. Not firsthand. Well, it is, I find it to be true Mm -hmm. and I, I, but I didn't come up with it. Okay. I'm not like the originator of all of these. We wouldn't have known if you hadn't said anything. No, but I'm honest. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) A is for honest. (laughs) 
you're really good at spelling. Have you done strip best spelling me? No, I, you would I'm be really good in other ways. Um, <laughs> so good. Okay, so tell us the advice. So, um, well, one of the big ones is don't reject somebody too fast. Okay. I think that's something we have a tendency to do is to kind of reject somebody based off of superficial things. Mm-hmm. Um, common values is way more important than common interests. Okay. Um, you don't need necessarily to find somebody who is going to go on hikes with you. Maybe that can be with your friends, but your life partner has to share the same values as you. That's really important. So okay. maybe, um, maybe don't say no to somebody unless it's a hell no right away, right? wait a little bit yeah because there's there was this thing going on for a while and maybe it's still happening where it's like anything that's not a fuck yes is a hell no yeah and like what's a fuck yes anyways like knowing what a relationship is and what it entails it's like you know there's gonna be some really unpleasant things one of the matchmakers on netflix is like if you have 70 percent or 80 percent of what you want uh, like on your checklist that's huge you're that's huge like go for that right like settle for that because there's 90 percent, 100 percent doesn't really exist yeah but i've heard of people being like oh he has pointy shoes and you're like i mean i've i've heard like Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't have a man bun. You oh. don't marry a haircut, honey. Yeah, but you also don't. like a man bun when you go bald is so tragic, right? Like it he is. has a man bun now. I think some people would have the opposite and say absolutely no man bun, right? I right. guess there you go. Yeah, so you can't be too picky. I guess that one thing though is like when you start to fixate on something small like that, does mm-hmm. that mean it's not a good vibe? Because I've had that theory for a while where it's like I think look inward. If okay. if you can't get over small things, look inward. Okay, is and that shitty to say? Most it's like you're not you're scared and you're not really available right yeah, now are there you? you go okay and maybe you're a little bit you, you're being precious a little bit superficial yeah. too being super but also i think i i get the people who say if i'm not attracted to him i can't sleep with him mm-hmm. i get that too i totally get it but you can work on sex sex is a okay you can't work on getting somebody to be honest right okay. <laughs> that's a little bit harder okay so or somebody you can't you can't really make somebody smarter Oh, yeah, when people aren't smart. That's huge for me. Yeah. If I can't have a conversation with you. But sometimes the conversation won't flow as like naturally on the first date because you're shy or because you don't know how to act. Well, like sex also. Sex generally doesn't flow that well the first time. I mean. Another big thing for me is don't necessarily go for whoever attracts you. Okay. Because somebody who's attractive to you may be triggering your trauma. It could be a disaster. It could right? be a disaster. Sometimes the person you find attractive is attractive because they're gonna they're gonna be emotionally av- unavailable. Yeah, and it's like that's not good. Yeah, they sort of trigger all your attachment wounds. They, it they can, make you nervous. It can be anxiety. You think it's attraction, but it's just anxiety. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I found that anytime I felt anytime that a connection has felt faded. That's not good. I've had a few challenges with that. Like I've because that's fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that with the married man. I felt like, oh, just like hi, oh here you are, here I am. I mean, maybe he didn't feel that way, but then I also felt that with my gay husband from the mm-hmm. pandemic. We met yeah. on a park bench, right? Like, of course we did, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I mean, you know what? That's good lessons, though, and like I am grateful for my lessons. I'd like some mm-hmm. different lessons and. 
yeah anything else with the dating advice i'm trying to think of them right now so yeah don't like i have a saying that goes listen to the sound of your deal breakers yes but yeah, deal breakers are hell no's but like maybe challenge some of your deal breakers i don't know i am not deal breakers deal breakers are big deal breakers are deal breakers okay yeah. deal breakers are deal breakers but like make a list of what here's here's a good piece of advice make a list of what you want out of your husband or wife um and just qualities right Mm-hmm. And once you've made that list, ask yourself if you have those qualities. Okay, that's nice. Look inward. Work on yourself before. Okay. That's also a huge thing. Because if you want somebody who is, you're like, oh my God, I want my I want my wife to be honest. I want her to be smart. I want her to be funny. I want her, you're describing the perfect person. And then you look at yourself and you're like, I don't have two of, the, of these qualities. Well, I'm a terrible cook. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's. You can be like, I'm not a good cook. I'm looking for somebody who's a good cook. But maybe this person's not going to want to cook 24-7. Maybe you're going to have to learn a little bit with them. Yeah, I I think that I'm really happy to have like cereal for dinner. So I think somebody like that (laughs) sometime would be good for me. I have this. You need somebody who's going to bring out the best in you. Yeah. Not somebody who's going to make you keep your cereal habits. Oh, you don't think that's a good habit? Cereal for dinner? Well, no. I, I think toast toast is good for dinner. I guess I've had grilled cheese for dinner, so I can, grilled I cheese. can go for that. Oh, come on, that's a staple. I I have this thing with neighborhoods is that like I... <sighs> this one, this okay. one I hate. <laughs> so I moved for love. I moved from Montreal to Halifax, 18-hour drive, like 1,200 kilometers for a dude, stayed there three and a half years, lived happily ever after. Then I moved back, and now I'm like... You know, I live in the plateau, like even going to St. Henry feels like a bit of a So you think the love of your life lives in a one kilometer radius? I'd like five. Like (laughs) I'm okay to walk three to five kilometers. Do you realize how unlikely that is? I don't know. I mean, you said we could work on things. (laughs) Okay. But that's not a deal breaker, right? Okay. That's Mm. not. No, he can. Okay. A deal breaker would be he lives in another city. Yeah. But you can stay in Montreal. Okay. You can do a little bit commute, Erica. Come on. Oh, come I'm just on. not a metro person. Well, maybe he could come here. Uh, but I also... Maybe maybe you could take a Bixie during the... I like Bixies. Yeah. There you go. There's okay. a solution. Okay. So we'll just have like a fair weather relationship. I, I really think you should watch the Netflix reality shows. Okay. That I'm talking about. And maybe maybe you'll you'll like some of it okay i need some dating advice okay you well, like the the jewish matchmaking that's good okay i will She's good advice. i'll look into that okay thank you and we'll 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 check back in a year and see if i followed any of your advice you asked me to find somebody for you oh yeah did you find somebody who doesn't so, live in Longueuil? <laughs> <laughs> so, um i don't have anybody f- because either they're already in a relationship or they have a man bun <laughs> so either they're already in a relationship, I don't, mind man don't live in the same city, or um, they're not in your age range because I, I have friends who are about my age. Or How old are you, 25? I'm turning 24 in three weeks. Oh, yeah. That's too young for me. I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I need 27 But if I, I will, I will, I, I want to be a matchmaker so bad, so I'll, okay. keep, I'll keep staying on the lookout. Okay. You know what you should do is you if if you're in the apps you should pass me your phone. And find oh, okay, cool. We'll do that after. Yes. After. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. So that was great dating advice, uh, spontaneous dating advice. And now we have somebody who is in dire need of. Are we already at the list? Family question? advice. Oh yeah. Okay. 
So here is our listener question. It's a small essay, so buckle up. <laughs> I didn't think it was that long. Well, dear, <laughs> my listeners are prolific. Listeners, send me your listener questions. They are. They don't want to anymore. You just intimidate. The joy <laughs> of my life. I can't even tell you. Okay, so dear Erica and Alexia, I dread family gatherings. I am the youngest daughter of three children and the biggest disappointment. I spent most of my teenage years struggling with an eating disorder and undiagnosed ADHD. It was all I could do to fumble my way through college. After I graduated, I decided to stay in the restaurant industry because I enjoy the pay and my coworkers, and it's easier for me to do a gig that lets me stay on my feet. But when I come home, I can feel my family's judgment. My older brother and sister are ultra-high achievers who are living out their passions. My brother is for real finding the cure for cancer, and my sister is this unicorn who is making a ton of money running a yoga camp for teenagers. They both have perfect partners. My sister is pregnant, and my brother already has two kids. I don't want either of their lives. I am happy I've been able to heal from my mental illness and grateful I can enjoy friends, hobbies, and a great apartment in a city I love. But spending time with my family shakes all my confidence. I feel like I have nothing to show for myself. My siblings dominate every conversation, and when they turn the tables over to me, it's like a third-degree life coaching session, which my parents love to chime in on. Have I ever considered applying for jobs in my field? What about going back to school? Have I tried any yoga lately? Gross. Uh, it's like I became. It's like I become the family project, and it's horrible. There's also a big age gap between me and my siblings. Together with my parents, it feels like they formed this tight, happy club that I joined way too late. I've started to come home for fewer holidays, but then they make comments, and I feel guilty and like I'm a bad daughter. Do you have advice on how I can handle this draining, high pressure dynamic? Love the family fix it project. Ooh, family fix it project. I feel you. Can you relate to this? This is this is this is the piece of text I've most related to in my entire life. Oh my goodness. Okay, well done, listener. Yeah. Thank you, family fix it project. So this sounds very painful. Uh, what what can we say? Where do we start? Okay. So good work on healing from your eating disorder. That is not that's not easy. an easy thing to do. No. So, and that's your priority mm-hmm. is and. I don't know. I would say your family should be proud of you for that. That is a miracle. It's a miracle to heal from your eating disorder. So good job. The rest is just a bonus. What else? I want to say congrats on being comfortable with yourself in a way that I'm not. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that this listener is talking about how like they're happy with their life. Mm -hmm. They just are. And Mm -hmm. And they know that and they're safe with that. I think that's really... That's so hard to do at any age. Mm -hmm. My 13th therapist says that some people spend their whole lives trying to find a safe haven from Mm -hmm. their families. Yeah. And you have that. You have your apartment, your job, your community. And so this is a great start. And yeah, when you go home and your family shakes that. That's really rough. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. But what can we do? Um, I think, I think this has a lot of dimension to it. Mm -hmm. Um, the first thing I would like to say is 
I have a very similar family dynamic where mm-hmm. my sisters are these amazing girls who can do no wrong and I'm mm-hmm. the youngest of four and I'm in I'm we all share the same dad but I have a different mom mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like the easiest thing to navigate cuz it's it's you share the age gap also right yeah so my sisters and I are 14 12 and 8 years apart mm-hmm. so right now I'm turning 24 so my eldest sister is 38. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole lifetime. That's a whole lifetime. Like mm-hmm. that, that's it's really difficult to to kind of share things, right? Um, and I, you have kind of two options going forward, right? You can confront them and tell them, "I feel like the family fix it project, and this mm-hmm. is really difficult, and I'm happy with my life, and every time I come here, I feel." unconfident and I feel hurt and I feel all of these things like you use whatever is the right words I don't want to put mm-hmm. them in your mouth or you can let go mm-hmm. you can just kind of be like I guess this is the way things are mm-hmm. and both of those things are really hard to do and maybe you'll confront your family and things won't go well that happens sometimes yeah but um, from what I see, you have something even better. And this is something I would lean on. You talk about friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes family isn't blood family. It's chosen family. Yeah. A lot of, and people as adults, they really struggle to make friends. So that is a real gift that you have. So mm-hmm. you should try to sort of play on your strengths and the what's going well. Um, in terms of the guilt what else does my 13th therapist say? She says that sometimes in a family system, and she was just educating me, you know, for my own mm-hmm. personal interest. But yeah, my 13th therapist says that in a family system, there's also there's often the people on the middle who's uh, in the middle who share like a tight sort of dynamic and closeness. And they seem to have all the power. When you're when you're on the outside, it feels like the person, the people on the inside are like they can call the shots more. They they control the family system. It seems yeah. like so they have more fa- more power, and the person on the outside often feels quite guilty. Uh, however, the person on the outside they don't have the, they don't share the sense of belonging, but they have the freedom. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, what freedom to be able to say, you know what, I'm not coming home for Christmas. I'm going to stay in my city and order pizza with my friends and bake cookies and not travel during rush time. And, you know, what a nice thing for me. Uh, I wonder if, I wonder if there's different contexts where you could enjoy your family more, because Mm -hmm. sometimes I find for me, I find all the special occasions, like I have quite a good relationship with my family, um, but I do not, I avoid special occasions because I find they're too high pressure. I mm-hmm. feel like everybody is a bit stressed. So then you do revert to whatever dynamics were painful in your childhood. And, you know, like um, the cook caregiver person is bending over back backwards, making sure everybody has mm-hmm. their asparagus is cooked the way they like it. And, you know, like somebody else is drinking too much. And it's just like, it's, it's just not a fun not a fun thing to navigate. Uh, but I find that if I can cultivate one-on-one time with different family members and go during the off season, like not when it's not an occasion, mm-hmm. um, maybe don't go when everybody's all there, t- they're all together. If there are people that you don't enjoy, 
don't spend that much time with them, you know, like there's no report card. I always think that I used to think I wanted a family report card where it was mm-hmm. like someone could say, okay, you, you, you like three months ago, you had lunch, then you came for a weekend, then you did this. And it's like, you did good with your family. You did enough. Right. But there is no family report card and it's really like how you feel. So yeah, you don't want to be too guilty. Like you want to show up as much as you feel comfortable with. Uh, but like, you know, you're this, not obligated to show up every single time. Yeah. This is your time. This is your life. And Honestly, like I find that going home to when you're single and you haven't hit the milestones that everybody else has, even if you don't care about them that much, when you go home, it really is triggering and it doesn't get easier to be honest. Like it gets like, I'm happy Mm. to be single here, but I just, when I go home single, like I'm just so tired of going back to see my family by myself that I, I have cut back. Like I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I can't actually show up as much as I used to because it just, it is kind of a reminder of what you do have or what what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about the family, like them coming home and like sort of fix it projecting you? Well, I was actually going to come on to that part. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to take people's shit a lot more. I mm-hmm. used to take their criticisms a lot and very much to heart because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a very sensitive person and I'm very much of an overachiever and mm-hmm. there were there were such high expectations of me and now I'm in theater. <laughs> <laughs> I Now I tell jokes. Uh, and at some point, I remember one of the people I didn't really care about much giving me advice and me really brushing it off super quickly. And then I realized I'm not going to take their shit if I'm not going to take their advice. Right. I think that would be another thing. If you don't think this person's advice is right for your life, I don't think their criticisms are right for your life either. Mm-hmm. I don't think they they have the right lens to be looking at this. Yeah. So just sort of disregard it. It's rude, though. It's, it's rude. It's to rude. Be like, that's why I say confront it. Yeah. But if you don't want to do that because that's hard to do or maybe it's not the right time or whatever. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, just fuck it tune out Fuck yeah it. just look at your phone um maybe change the subject yeah just be like oh i'm happy with my life thanks a lot like yeah uh, it's funny i'm ruder than that yeah if they would be like we can match you up with someone i would be like we can match you up with something <laughs> yeah <laughs> come on you can what, what i mean the these are the 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 comebacks that you think of late at night not when you're at your family <sighs> gathering right oh so frustrating but yeah, if you can shut down shut down the feedback. You don't deserve that. We're really sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think that sometimes it can be hard to get over or to like transcend being the youngest, like to be the baby of the family and also to have been sick in your family. I think that there's something that happens with the dynamic when you're sick and this person had an eating disorder where it's like they are kind of like the rest of your family sees you as the person who needs help, who needs, mm. right? And they they get some. Who needs the saving. The Yeah. And I wonder if you could just come up and say that and be like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm well. And I am not like a 13-year-old with an eating disorder anymore. So we can stop treating me like that. Uh, I think those are good words. Okay. I think that's that's very powerful. Yeah. But I think it's hard, right? And I think like, you know, even friends that you met at a certain age – they all kind of like if you met your friend in second year in like university or when you're like like 1920 and they see you 
they always see you with whatever challenges you had at that time. Not always, mm-hmm. but it, it can It's the happen. default first yeah. impression. Yeah, default first impression. Okay, is there anything else? Did we cover that? It's not easy, but I... It's, it, there's no simple solution, mm-hmm. and that's why I really empathize with it. But yeah, you don't need to be fixed. You're doing so great, and best of luck. You best are, of luck. You'll do great. You are not a family fix-it project. You're not. No, you don't need to be fixed. Okay. So, Alexia, do you have a morning routine? <laughs> My my morning routine kind of goes with what's going on in my life at that time. Okay. Because my morning routine is not the same if I work or if I go to school or if I'm on vacation. And you're you are off work. You're on I'm vacation. Off, I'm I'm on vacation right now. Okay, let's let's do vacation morning routine. Um I get up at like seven or eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. I take a shower. I have breakfast. Okay. And as I have breakfast right now, I like to watch Salut Bonjour. Do you okay. know what that is? No. So this is a very much a Quebecer thing. Okay. And I can hear Antoine sighing. He doesn't like Salut Bonjour? Nobody likes okay. Salut Bonjour is very ma tante. Like it's okay. very much like the your your mom or your aunt watches it. And okay. it's this morning show with the news, but they also have segments with cooks, with uh, doctors, with you know, it's it's a morning show. Okay. And, and I find a, these very entertaining. It's TV. I okay. find it very entertaining. We don't have cable, so I have the 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 um, stations app and I connect it to our Chromecast. Okay. And that's how I watch Salut Bonjour. So you're committed. I am a little bit too committed. Okay. That's nice. And then if you're working, you miss Salut Bonjour? Or? Yes, because okay. I'm in a rush to get ready and out the door. But that sounds nice. And do you do you eat breakfast with Antoine sometimes? We try to. Sometimes okay. he so it depends on when we get up. Right now we get up around at the same time together. Mm-hmm. So we have breakfast together and that's nice. But sometimes he gets up and he has to get working because he has a meeting at 9 a.m. And okay. he didn't get the chance to maybe finish something the night before. So then, you know, sometimes I'll make his breakfast for him. That's nice. Yeah. I like making waffles for him. I like making grilled wow. cheese for him. He makes uh, French toast for me. Okay. Yeah. We do things for each other. He's it's it's not one sided, which okay. is really important. And then, what about do you drink coffee? I I've stopped drinking coffee all the time. Okay. I had heart issues a few oh, no. a little while ago. Yeah, okay. I had heart issues, and the doctor prescribed for a while no bra, no coffee, and no alcohol. Well, the no bra part is it was fine. so liberating. Yeah. So I've I've gotten used to that. Mm-hmm. So I try not to drink as much coffee and actually get in enough sleep yeah coffee and it it sort of robs you of sleep and yeah it's and now if i have coffee and i don't eat well i get the shakes okay all right so no more coffee well i had coffee the other day and it was great Mm -hmm, i just i just pace it with my food and i okay great okay and then what about a creative routine for your stories and stuff or whatever you're making i sit down and go to work okay i'm one of those people like before, like way beforehand, kind of thing. Um. So let's say I'm working on a story for Confab. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a fair. Yeah. So I have to submit something. Mm-hmm. I will submit. I'll, I'll like write to them and be like, "Here's my idea for a story. Here's kind of the tone and and whatnot." And then as soon as I submit it to them, I don't even wait for them to have told me, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll pick you or whatever." I start writing 
Mm -hmm. So for a story, I'll usually say it aloud because it sounds better. If I write it, it it comes off all wrong. Yeah, awkward. Yeah. It comes off very awkward. So I tell it as if I'm telling it to Antoine or as if I'm telling it to a friend for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I, I use my recorded draft. I write that down. And then I'll go over it and add punches. Okay. That's usually my, okay. my way to go. And you're pretty organized. Like, you don't procrastinate, I don't think. I try not to. Right now I'm trying to work for a, to write something for Fringe. Oh, yeah. I have like three stories written. Which is in June next year. Which is in June next year. And I don't have nearly as much as I wanted to have written. Life gets in, a way, in the way. But I can... I, I, if I, if I schedule time to write, if I tell myself, okay, Saturday morning from 9am to 11am, I'm writing, leave me alone. I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I do it. Okay. So you fulfill your, yeah, but I have to actually schedule it. Okay. So you schedule right throughout your week, whatever. And usually in the mornings or just like mornings. Yeah. yeah. Mornings are the best for me. That's when I feel most productive Mm -hmm. or, or like between cleaning chores. So like if I'm doing laundry while I'm waiting for the load to dry. I'll try to get in as much writing as I can. Oh, okay. I like that. It's yeah. like a challenge. Uh-huh. And then also you feel productive. And yeah. then you know it's going to end. So you don't feel... Right. It's contained. You have a set amount of time. Oh, that's great. And just P.S. Anybody who has three stories written for their Fringe show in August when the Fringe is in I feel like June. I'm... June. I want... I, my objective was when I put my name in the lottery... To have the entire first draft written. Okay. Yeah. Which is a lot of pressure. I think just like me and you are going to be the only people with first drafts when they put their. (laughs) their Maybe not a complete first draft, but maybe a few. Yeah. I don't think I'll I'll, I'll have attained it, which is fine. I try not to put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. Because a lot of people put their fringe shows together in the last two weeks before fringe. So I think you're in quite good shape. (laughs) The reason why I want to do that is because I'll be in school. Yeah. And I won't have as much time to dedicate to it. No. And you have the time. Take the time for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then what about your cleaning routine? Ooh, that's more of a on a weekly basis. Okay. I like to have, of course, the dishes have to be done every day, but that's not my chore. We've been over that. That's okay. Antoine's chore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let him do it at, I, I have to let him do it as at his pace. Sometimes I want everything to be done. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be like, you you overprotected me during this podcast. And I'll be like, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get mad at him because it's not done as fast as I would want it to, but that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Like, I know he's doing the dishes right now because we right. left this morning and I looked at the counter and he, and we kind of looked at each other and he was like, I'll do it later. Right. Right. That's the thing is when you delegate tasks, you're supposed to like, you have you're to supposed let to, like, go. go. Yeah. I mean, there can be a deadline, I guess, but. Yeah. Sometime. We're leaving on a trip in two yeah. days. So I also want things yeah. to be done. Yeah. But the thing about the dishes, it's no matter what you do, they always come back. So well. I try not to be as yeah like rough on and no no dishwasher no dishwasher we have one counter space and we have one sink okay it is rough yeah it's a rough life in our three and a half okay laundry is done every wednesday and every sunday oh i love a regular laundry day yeah laundry is a load every wednesday every sunday and i'll do a load of clothes and a load of towels okay and that's you. You do the laundry. Okay. I do the laundry. That's and I fold his clothes and I leave it on his um dresser. On his dresser, yes, thank you. And he has to put them away. But okay. they're all folded on his dresser. That's very nice. Wow. Okay. And then what else? He does he does the I, I hate 
doing the broom. He, he okay. does the broom. We don't have sweeping. We yeah, he does the sweeping. We need a vacuum cleaner. Yes, you do. But I it's recommend so expensive. No, no, no. I recommend the Zoom. I was gonna say Zoom H6, but that's my podcast equipment. Okay. I think I mean the Zing 2. It's a hundred bucks. It's small. It fits in small spaces and it's perfectly adequate. I'd like I don't have you want to You know what I really it. want? What? I want a like a robot. Oh. that I can just program when I leave and he'll clean while I'm doing oh, errands. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, that is dreamy. But they're not perfect. Like mm-hmm. I don't quite trust the robots, but yeah, they, but they take the edge there's off. There's something really attractive. Yeah. They're like, and you can watch it. You can like while you're in the grocery store, you can watch your robot. And I also find it really funny the idea of my dog barking at it. Mm. I know I'm a dick. But. Oh, yeah, but sometimes dogs can shit on the floor and then the robot takes it everywhere. Oh, no. So, like, there's oh, pros yeah, no. and cons okay. to the robots. But okay, no I, robots. I rec- uh, maybe, but I recommend the Zing 2 as an intermediary step. Maybe mm-hmm. they can sponsor the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then I do the bathroom once a week. Okay. Actually, I'll, maybe sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Antoine. It's one mm-hmm. of those tasks that we like, yeah. whoever, like he's doing it right now because he's a sweetheart. Okay. Because he knew I was recording this As day. As speak. Oh, that's really nice. Thanks, Antoine. Isn't he great? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else is there? What are tasks that I have to do around the house? Do you, like your baseboards, I, dusting? I need to do that more. It's okay. I'm Another sorry. time. Yeah. I need like I know I need to do that, but I maybe you don't. I don't see dust. Maybe I only need to do it. You're also very young. Like I think that maybe it'll like maybe you'll have a cleaning kick when you're older too. I was like not into dusting in my early twenties either. I, yeah, I don't wash the windows. I have no, to do that. You and most people don't wash their windows. I know. Okay, that's really bad. I'm just realizing how much I don't do actually right now, which is kind of depressing. Okay. Well, we can wrap up the cleaning routine. Cool. I think you've done great. And, Thank you. Um, for now, for a 24-year-old, you think I'm pretty yeah, good? Yeah, I think you're killing it. And I'm excited for you to get a dog. So if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? More dogs. More dogs. <laughs> yeah. I want to say something really smart and like life-changing and like the political nerd that I am. I guess, I guess affordable housing oh i hate the housing crisis me too we all hate it hate it we all really hate it i alton and i want to buy a house it's not happening no i don't like i don't like the housing crisis i'd be such a good housewife but Mm. i guess it's not on my cards well yeah so oh this is a good anecdote so alton do you know what enfant soleil is enfant soleil yeah Yeah. okay so for those who don't know, it's it's a charity for sick kids. Sun kids. Sun kids, yeah. Oh, does that exist elsewhere than Quebec? No. Okay, so sun kids. And they have a telethon every year. Mm-hmm. And they'll raise money and everything. And one of the ways they raise money is they, one of their partners is Maison Bonneville, which makes houses. Okay. And they have a lottery for this new house they'll you can either have the new house that they designed or four hundred thousand dollars okay to to buy a house and Antoine really wants a house so he was really Mm -hmm. pumped about this and Antoine kind of has a (laughs) he likes gambling oh okay (laughs) he likes scratch lotto tickets oh okay yeah so this is a lottery Mm -hmm. and he was like it's 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 a charity I'll yeah it's a good cause so he bought a ticket and okay. then and then he bought 10 tickets. Okay, that's And then okay. he bought another ticket. Okay, 11. So, so we had like a running gag at 12. Okay. So at some point we had like a running gag. And it was like, by the way, tickets are like 
12 bucks a pop. Okay. So so he, he spent a fair amount. It might be tax deductible. No, it's not. Okay. That's good. something we checked. Okay. Um, because it's a lottery. If okay. it was an actual donation, okay. it would have been, but it's... So we were going around and we were like, when we win that house... Well, maybe <laughs> next year. Quand faut gagner la maison Bonneville. It was yeah. like, it was a whole thing and we didn't win. Okay. And it, guess what? The winners are on Salut Bonjour in the morning. So oh. that's part of the reasons I wanted to win. So you can be on Salut Bonjour. I wanted Gino Chouinard. I think you can each buy a ticket next year. I support I think, that I much think gambling. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna gamble a little bit more. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. Let's cure the yacht. Let's cure the housing crisis. I guess I'll do that with my wish. Although I would really like more dogs as well. More dogs, dogs and houses. Okay. And then th- we're almost done. Uh, the only other thing is what are you working on these days and where can people find you? People can't find me because I don't okay. have one of those social media pages for you my art. You don't have an Instagram? I, I have an Instagram, but I haven't posted to it since I was like 17. Okay. So I know you- I suck. No, no, no. We don't say it. that's that's too that's too derogatory. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I think that I have a TikTok. I have nothing. You don't. Ha- I no. Don't do TikTok. Uh, okay, so you can find Alexia on- at Confab, maybe. Well, can they find you on Facebook or you have a private account? I have a private account. Okay. You can find me on YouTube with my stories with Confabulation. Okay, that's good. So I'm going to ask... Go listen to those. They're funny. So what we can find... Where you can find Alexia is in the show notes and... We're going to link to her, the podcast she's been on, like the volume nod, and also Suicide Notes. Very interesting. And we'll link to that. She's Alexia. It's a bit of a a bummer, though. Uh, Well, it's it's not a... I mean, there's some hope there. It has a content warning, uh, which you might be able to tell from the title. And then... We'll link to those podcasts. We'll link to the confabulation stories. And mm-hmm. we'll just keep our eyes open because yeah. everybody knows that you're an up-and-coming person. Uh, yeah. Maybe you'll see me at Fringe next year. That would yeah, be fun. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. If, if, you, if you come support Erica at things, I'm I, probably going to be there. Gonna be there. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we all need more Alexias, more dogs, more affordable housing. And we need so, more Erica's too. Now, that's sweet. So now we need to take a quick break. Oh my gosh, we have to do this song. Okay, guys, we have to warn you. Oh, I was crying <laughs> because, right, so I was crying while we were practicing this song because... Because Erica was generous enough to give me a practice shot. And it turns out you need to be an actual good singer to do Landslide. Landslide. Well, anyways, yeah, it's not very forgiving. So No, it's not. But we don't you, have a backup Stevie Nicks plan. makes it look effortless. It's not. Okay. So anyways, that's coming right up. And I know you can't wait. So we'll just, um, we'll be right back. <laughs> We're see, so sorry. See you on the other side. I'm not sorry at all. Okay. <laughs> love you. Bye. Okay, are you ready for this? The Never. thing is, we really, we really practiced. Like, we really tried hard. <laughs> we wanted to give the public something good, and it's just not. And it's, it's we okay. shouldn't insult ourselves too much before. But no, but I think you know what I think. I think if we insult ourselves before and then they hear it, they'll be like, "It wasn't that bad." Okay, yeah, please do that. <laughs> I love this song. You know what? Me too. Sing along. Okay, turn yes. down the volume and sing, sing along. along. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, every time I think of this song, I'm gonna laugh so hard for the rest of my life. It's actually a bummer. <laughs> so, yeah, this is what did you say? This is your sad and suicidal life. This is your sad and depressing life. Landslide. Okay. 
<laughs> it's like uplifting. Okay. <laughs> this is a disaster. Oh, no. <laughs> We just we just release us laughing. We don't release the song. Let's see. We tried so hard. <laughs> this is nice. Listen to my intro. <laughs> <laughs> we did not laugh. Okay. <laughs> it's not gonna work, is it? Okay, try. Let's try it. Let's try it. You think <laughs> of really sad things. <laughs> Think of like, I don't know, climate change. <laughs> Think of all the dogs dying during Jesus climate Christ. change. <laughs> well, I don't know. Think of all the dogs dying during climate change. <laughs> the dogs are going to inherit the earth. Okay. Good. They'll do a better job with it. Okay. Took my love and I took it down. Climbed the mountain and I turned around. <laughs> it's my face. We're gonna break the microphones. Okay. I'm sorry. I was there and then I looked up and I saw you. <laughs> I saw you saw my reflection. Oh my god. We're gonna be doing this for another hour and a half. I'm so sorry. I don't oh, want to take up so much of your time. I just I don't have a job. It's okay. Me neither. No. <laughs> Fun employment twins. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> took my love and I took, took it, it down. down. Climbed a mountain, <laughs> turned around. <laughs> and I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills. Till the landslide brought me down. <laughs> Well, mirror in the sky, what, what is, is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? I don't know. We got it. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Wow. I can edit a lot of stuff, but I, I don't, I think the bridge was really bad. <laughs> I don't think there's much you can do with that. You're drilling again. <laughs> what are we going to do in my life or something? Yeah. I don't think, okay. <laughs> if we laugh through this one too, we're just fucked. <laughs> I, I know, but it's not so bad. Okay, you know can, I, can, can I do an introduction to this? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to dedicate the song to a dear friend of mine. If you got into this point of the podcast, you know who you are. Oh, you did so well. And yes, um, we really tried really hard with Landslide. But... I didn't want to steal the song from you because I think you might end up doing this podcast at some point. But Landslide was just too much of a shit show, man. <laughs> yeah, we did our very best, but my skills went down by at least 60%. They went, they went on the Landslide. <laughs> on a real oh my god i've never laughed so hard except also when john kotrakois came um, i'm so glad i have the same level of talent yeah to so make you laugh. anyways so now we're gonna sing in my life by the beatles okay it's a bit of a codependent song but it's also it's, quite it's a, lovely they're all, well they're all codependent yeah okay so let's try if we don't 
laugh too hard. Okay. No, I think we can do this one. I feel like my skills are still landsliding. Okay. <laughs> there are places I remember all my life though some have changed some forever not for better some have gone and some remain all these places had their moments of lovers and friends i still can recall some are dead and some are living in my life i love them all Of all these friends and lovers, there is no one compares with you. And these memories lose their meaning when I think of love as something new. Though I know I'll never lose affection for people and things that went before. I know I'll often stop and think about them. In my life, I love you more. In my life, I loved you more. Oh, that was so lovely. That was so lovely and so much better than landslide. It was, it was so... You don't understand how... Please, please put it as like a blooper or something. Oh my god! It's got to be in there because it's it's memories. You got to remember how oh, terrible it was. It was such a good memory. Okay, well, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and thank you so much, Alexia. Do you have any other news? More dogs. I really want to talk. <laughs> you want to talk? I really want a schnauzer. Oh, a dog. I thought you said to talk. Oh, a no. schnauzer. Okay. I was like, we've been talking for two hours. You still want to talk? No, I'm not going to bore you anymore. <laughs> okay, oh, thank so, you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a delight. Yeah, it was a delight to have you too. Okay, and everybody, thank you so much for listening. It means everything. And in my life, I loved you more. <laughs> do, 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 do. so nice okay all right love you love you bye everybody see you on the other side see you on the other side (laughs) all right and the landslide will not bring us down not ever thank you alexia thank you for all of that (laughs) thank you everyone for listening and today's special shout out goes to james junkster who left a kind and enthusiastic five-star review on apple podcasts James Junkster says, listening to this podcast is like eavesdropping on the best convos in a coffee shop. It is at once intimate and expansive, covering a range of topics that meander naturally but never ramble or drag. It is fun and fascinating and charming all at once. Oh my goodness, James, thank you so much. And if anybody else would like to leave a kind and enthusiastic review on Apple Podcast, it really helps the show. So thank you. And thank you to Tess Levitt, Sherwin Tijia, and my dearly departed aunt Eileen Gunn. You can check out the show notes for their invaluable contributions. 
My name is Erica, and you can reach me on Instagram at erica.j.schmidt or on my website at ericajschmidt.com slash contact. I'll be back with another episode in approximately two Tuesdays. Until then, let us sing. This is your strange and beautiful life. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. Don't let the landslide get you down and have a wonderful couple of weeks. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.